Recognition, power, and influence is your birthright, and this podcast shows you how to get there. Welcome to episode number 207. Today's episode is an absolutely delightful conversation with my friend and colleague, Karina Walsh. She is an amazing executive coach for new managers, and she has a program that she teaches at various different organizations all across the country. And she is on today's episode to give you those coveted new management tips. Now, becoming a manager, there's really no handbook for it, but yet you're supposed to know exactly what to do. Same thing with getting promoted into executive leadership. This is why Karina and I both have jobs, because most organizations, while they're trying to make us better managers, they neglect to really give us those problem-solving tools that we can apply very directly to our specific situations. So today's episode is all about what do you do with your new managers on your team to really give them that guidance. And if you're a corporate badass that is newly transitioned into management and you want to become a better manager, this episode is for you. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Women Changing Leadership. I am your host, Stacey Mayer, and I teach you how to get promoted, get paid, and bring your whole self to the leadership table. I am on a mission to change organizations from the C-suite out because women are the new face of leadership, and we are doing it on our terms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Women Changing Leadership. I'm your host, Stacey Mayer, and I have a very exciting guest with me today. Karina is um, a dear friend and colleague of mine who I met several years ago now um, inside of Eleanor Beaton's program. And Eleanor, as many of you know, wrote the foreword for my book. I absolutely adore her. And the work that she is doing for women leaders is just absolutely phenomenal. And she is such an inspiration. But one of the things that she also does really well is bring together powerhouse women. And when I started evolving the leadership table and bringing together my own group of powerhouse women, I often would use her as a model for how she is able to just sort of seemingly magically put together all of these incredible women into one room. And you're sort of like, how did this happen? And she does it. And so I've been also priding myself on doing that myself in my programs. But when someone reaches out to me and says, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast from that group, it's just an instant yes, of course. <laughs> so Karina, I'm so glad that you are on here today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll do a more formal intro of you again. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. And it was so nice to to reconnect and catch up with you. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. And I, I strongly encourage if you don't have a group of women leaders that you connect with on a regular basis, it's not just about inspiration network. It's it's almost like this life force and really feeling like you're not on an island alone. 
and that we're and we were just kind of catching up in our businesses or even in similar places and right and it just really reinforces that we we don't not only do we not need to do this alone we can't really have the amount of success that we really want in our careers alone thank you karina and let me give you the formal bio so that we can just sort of get that out of the way. And then I'll tell you why I was also excited um, to have her on today. And then we'll jump into questions. Karina Walsh is an executive leadership coach, podcaster, author, and owner of Shift People Development. And she is on a mission to revolutionize the relationship between managers and employees. With her coaching and advising skills, she partners with companies and not-for-profit organizations to build cultures of excellence and trust. Uh, I'm glad I read that bio because it pretty much explains about what I was getting ready to say, which is um, I have had a lot of women at this point. My business has been around for about seven years. And so they there are women in my programs who've been with me, oh, my gosh, for I was going to say three or four years, but I think it's actually more like four or five years. And they're still continued to work with me. So these are women who've been through multiple levels of promotions over the years. And then now they're in the C-suite and now they're wanting to give their leaders tools to be better managers for their employees. I've actually had a lot of women in my group ask for these tools. You know, how can we drive culture, better employee engagement, like really bigger overarching themes that happen in organizations and that need to be managers need these tools to really understand that they have so much power at their organization to lead this. And so I thought, who better to have on my podcast to talk about that than Karina? So thank you well, again. <laughs> thank you. But I want to say congratulations to all of your clients who have had, you know, multiple promotions. I think that speaks to how amazing you are and how effective your work is. So I, ju I just want to say that first. But yes, I mean, once you are on your leadership journey, one of the best things you can do is figure out how to support the emerging leaders who are coming up, you know, behind you, alongside of you. And I think the point that I try to get across to everyone I speak to about leadership is that there are different skills and tools required for every level of leadership. So if you are a first-time manager, and I, I typically call that a frontline manager, so that's that's maybe the supervisor, the team lead, someone who's had their first promotion, it's their first time having direct reports, you know, you don't want to send that person to an executive leadership program. They're not ready for that yet. There's a specific skill set and set of tools that you need uh, when you're leading individual performers. And then when you get to that mid-level management, middle management, directors, general managers, you know, you are starting to lead other managers and teams, there's a whole nother skill set you need there and a new set of tools. And then at the executive level, you need your own set of tools as well. And so that's probably the first and most important thing I would say to anyone who's looking for tools to help other managers in your organization. Yeah. And I hopefully you can share some of your tools on today's podcast because I know that would be really helpful. Everybody wants to do their job better. Um, and I think that there is the the micro, which is just sort of how do I get my employees to do things, <laughs> right? That's like a common theme. How do I motivate? How do I inspire them to do their work better? But then there's the larger theme, which is really who is the what is the type of leader that I want to be? How do I want to be seen? What roles do I want to model? Because a lot of us don't have 
role models above us, you know, to really emulate. And so we're kind of making up our own path, yet the culture of the organization dictates something else. And so really finding our way in that bigger picture is also, I'm sure, a huge part of this process as well. Can you speak to that, that like dichotomy? Absolutely. And that is an interesting paradox that you're bringing up. Uh, as you say, you know, we have an idea of who we want to be as a leader, but then what does the organization look for? What are they supporting? And you can find that balance. I won't say it will be easy necessarily, you know, with the right leadership coaching, with the right, as as you and I touched on at the beginning of the podcast, you know, having the right group of, of leaders around you, being in the right circle, um, you can get the support that you need to strike that balance. And I think, you know, what's so important is when you get into a higher leadership level, director, VP, is making sure you know what the organizational vision is and what the culture is and, and you know, what the where the company is going. But I think you can still d- distill that down to your team members in a way that feels good to you. And that, in order to do that, you know, you have to have a certain level of confidence. You have to be a good communicator. You have to have self-awareness. So that's just some of the skills that you would need if you're going to strike. Wait, so you teach how to manage people, confidence, (laughs) self-awareness. Like, how do you do all of these things? So, you know, the confidence part and the self-awareness part are more so byproducts of learning the skills, the uh, the tangible skills. So, for example, a lot of people come up to me and say, I want to be more confident as a manager. And believe it or not, I say, no, you don't. You don't need to be more confident right now. What you need is a little bit of courage and a little bit of curiosity because confidence comes after we do the things. It doesn't come before we do the things, right? We build confidence as we get more competent. So if you want to build the competence, come to my program. Let's. I'm going to teach you how to delegate, how to give feedback effectively in a way that's going to inspire and motivate, not shut, shut the conversation down. I'm going to teach you about difficult conversations. I'm going to teach you coaching skills because these are the things that employees want from their managers today. And as you do those courses and and learn those skills and gain the tools that I've developed, A, it's going to build your self-awareness because you're going to realize how you've been doing things may not be working for everyone, or maybe you've been doing things right all along. There are some, some people who come into my program who've just naturally kind of been doing it well all along. Maybe they've had good mentors or good examples set for them. So the self-awareness comes from getting the tools and the knowledge so you can do that self-check to see how you've been leading and if it's been working for your team. And and those tools are built into as, to my program as well, so you can do that reflection. And then the confidence is going to come from having the tools so that when you get into a feedback conversation, when you get into a difficult conversation or or a possible coaching scenario, you have the tools and skills to build, to, you know, to have the conversation and to, and to build up your own um, leadership potential. But then when I work with higher level leaders at that middle management, almost executive level management, then we're working on the emotional intelligence skills, which also fosters a lot of self-awareness and self-management skills. Because when you get up to a higher level of leadership, mid-level up to executive, I can't stress enough you are not doing a lot of the technical management anymore. You are really, it's heavily focused on decision-making, strategy, complexity, innovation, taking uh, the company vision or the company strategy and and distilling it down and, t- and getting everyone to execute on that. 
And your your emotional intelligence skills have to be sharp at that level. So that's also where you're going to build more confidence, self-awareness. I consider it to be more of a byproduct or more of an outcome as opposed to something that actually gets taught. So when you're working inside of organizations, say, let's start there, because I think you work with for organizations as well as you have a, a program that individuals can join, right? That's Correct? Right. You have two different things. So um, so let's look at the inside of organizations. Um, would you take a group of managers that are all in basically the same position and then run a program for those managers? Um, like, let's say they were all in the frontline managers or something like that. And then is there open dialogue from manager to manager, open dialogue, maybe even some executives in the room that can speak to the larger vision of the organization? I'm just like, I'm kind of curious behind the scenes what this feels like to be a part of of one of your programs inside an organization. Absolutely. So I do run my programs privately, you know, internally for organizations. And yes, there's an open enrollment cohort for any smaller organizations that maybe only have one or two managers um, that they need to get training for. My programs are cohort-based. And what that means is that when you sign up for a program, whether it's internally or externally to your organization, you're going to be with the same people for the whole six modules or seven modules, depending on which program you're in. And again, to go back to your point at the top of your show, that's where you're going to get that peer learning and peer support because you're going to be with the same people all along. And that's when you're going to hear that other managers might be having the same issues as you or the same challenges as you. But then there's a defined curriculum that I'm taking you through where I'm actually going to teach you the skills that you need. And yes, sometimes executives might be in that cohort as well. So for instance, right now I'm taking about 70 managers through Managing Made Easy. And I designed that program for the supervisor, the team lead, you know, for the frontline manager. But I've had plenty of middle managers and executives in that program because they've never had any right. training. Right. Yeah, exactly. They made it to that level and, and hats off to them. They've been, you know, chugging along on their leadership journey without any formal leadership development. And that happens a lot. it's a tremendous number of leaders who get to that level and never had any management training. So to have an organization with enough awareness to say, actually, we're not just going to send our frontline leaders to this program. Mm -hmm. All of our managers have to come even at the executive level because they've never done any management training. Right. And that's just fantastic. That'll just give you an indication of the culture of an organization who is supporting leadership development for all their leaders and making sure every leader has the same tools no matter where they are in the organization. Yeah, that was sort of what I was thinking about is um, a a large part, as you might know, about what I teach is communicating about the training that you are doing. And so part of what I was curious when asking that question was, if you create the, uh, did you say your program internally is called Management First or? Managing it easy. Managing made easy. Oh, I love that. Promotions made easy. Wow. I know. Very similar. So (laughs) managing made easy. So in in that type of program, you develop a language that you can then share with other people what you're doing with your team. And I think this has to be said out loud, the importance of that, because so many of us go through these management trainings and then we kind of keep everything that we're learning to ourselves. And we might even implement that 
with our team, but then we don't even tell our team why we're doing this. And uh, I'm not even sure why. I think it's because our egos kick in. We think, oh, well, I have to pretend that I know what I'm doing. But it's so powerful when you can have a training and then be able to speak to the why you're doing this particular exercise with your team as part of that training and having that open dialogue. And then ultimately, that's what leads to future promotions. Because if we don't tell people what we're doing and how we're doing it top and down, then we're just keeping it to ourselves. We're just becoming a better manager, which is great, (laughs) which is super helpful. Absolutely. But nobody knows about it. Like we're still on an island, right? So do you t- do you teach any of that? Like how do we actually communicate? Okay, team, we're going to do this exercise right now um, or even to our management team, what's working and how we're effectively leading our teams. I absolutely do. And I'm so glad that you're also covering that in your, pro- I'm not surprised you're covering that in your work as well, because why wouldn't you? Uh, it just makes sense. But yes, I do talk about that in my program as well. And a lot of managers do, like you said, they do have that apprehension about saying, I mean, I'm doing this program or I did this training or I did this coaching. And I, you know, I'm fully transparent in the program. And I, I remind them, like, take this coaching tool, like like a common coaching uh, tools called the grow model. That model has been around for a long time. And it's one of the just one of the examples I use in my program to teach managers how to coach on the spot. And I tell them, you know, the next time you're in your one-on-one with an employee, just take out the blank worksheet called the grow model and show it to them and say, hey, I'm in this leadership development program and I just picked up this great tool. What do you say we give it a try in this conversation? See if it helps keep us focused. Yay. Well, I want to hear what this grow model is too. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll happily tell you about that. And it's the simplest coaching model ever, right? And it, I mean, and and you do a lot of coaching, so you'll you'll recognize this tool. But yes, I'm t- telling them like be transparent that you're in this program with your own employees because they will see how hard you're trying. You're leading by example, and really, that's to me that's the only way to lead anyway. But when you go back to work and you say, "I'm in this program," here's what we're going to try today. You're leading by example. You're taking chances, and the managers who come to my program are so amazing, and they have such great success. I often don't really have to tell them to go back and tell everyone else in the company about the program. They often just do it anyway and say, hey, you know what? I've learned how to communicate in this way or you have the feedback conversations. I can see that the entire organization needs this. Let's get every manager in this program. Oh, cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, um, and and we're going to learn about the GROW model or any sort of model. You can decide what you want to teach us today. But um, the... Uh, the importance of letting executive leadership know that you are in development programs is also key because it says that you take your role very seriously and you want to be better at it, right? And and so it's always mad respect at the top if you're talking about the different tools that you're learning and using and you just start to become this investigator of leadership, right? Because you would actually, when you're a subject matter expert, you do the same thing all the time. You talk about how you learned how to code or you talk about what you're doing in in whatever field that you're in and you talk about your expertise in that way. But when we can start to talk about our leadership in that way as well, it's the same, same, right? It's a 
it's something that we have to learn and it's something that not many of us are taught and we have to go out and find these tools, piece them together for ourselves. And if we're lucky enough, we can join Karina's program and learn that from scratch, right? But I just think that communication, communicating about what you're doing, I call it very specifically like showing your work, like what it is that you're doing is just a huge part of this. Um, so so let's move into a practical tool that maybe some of my leaders can take away to do, I guess, with their teams. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll start with maybe feedback and then move into the coaching, the grow model that I just mentioned. So it's the simplest, most effective thing you can ever do as a manager, if you are giving feedback, if you, yeah, especially if it's constructive feedback, which people don't usually have a problem with positive feedback and you know what you're doing well. But if you end up in that conversation where you have to point out that someone made a mistake or someone could be doing better in this area, the simple, simple method is just simply called, you know, giving them the why. So context, context, context. As adults, we need a lot of context. We appreciate a lot of context. And, you know, you're a parent and if you, when our kids were little and they, they didn't quite have the full communication tools yet, you remember your child would say, but why, but why, but why, when they didn't understand something. And as adults, we can't walk around and say, but why, but why? Because that would get super annoying, super fast. So give your employees the context they need and the information they need to understand why you're telling them the information that you're telling them. So um, if I were to give you feedback on something, I would say, Stace, I would give you the constructive feedback, like direct, and I would follow it up with the why. And I would say, Stacy, I'm giving you this feedback because I know how important your career is to you and you wouldn't want something small like this to get in the way of your career growth. Mm-hmm. Make the why is something that's important to them and make it something actionable that they can take away and actually use to improve their career. That's the simplest way. Just make sure that somebody understands why you're giving them the feedback. Because if you don't do that, someone might walk away, the employee might walk away thinking they're just picking on me. They're just being, my manager's just being nitpicky. Or, okay, that's fine. I can change that, but I have no idea why. I don't know the context. I don't know the motivation behind this feedback. And they're much less likely to use the information that you're giving them to improve their performance. I think the biggest thing that people feel is that they're in trouble. And so the why is like our default why is that we're being reprimanded. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, (laughs) um, it it, it can it's it's like automatically this instinct of of the the given why is like I'm in I'm in trouble. And then what does that mean? And does that mean I need to fix this by Saturday or I'll get fired? Does that mean that um, it's not really that big a deal? And then what happens next is we get defensive and we're like, oh, I didn't really need this job anyway. They're like, wait, all I was trying to do was give you this simple tool. I totally agree with you. If we don't start out with that and we don't explain to them that um, you can imagine everybody's brains go a bit haywire in the wrong directions, especially when receiving constructive feedback. It's like it's really hard. Well, it's the emotional hijack. Mm-hmm. To touch on the emotional mm-hmm. intelligence part of my work, it's the emotional hijack, right? Fight, flight, or freeze, or or fawn, mm-hmm. right? Um, if we hear something even remotely negative, yeah, it, that that primitive part of our brain cuts in and says, "Oh my gosh, there's a threat. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be fired or, uh, you know, any other type of of disciplinary action." So for me, 
constructive feedback is a is a natural career growth tool. We all need it. We can't grow without we can't move ahead without that feedback. And but it should be coming from an altruistic, you know, perspective where I'm gonna give you this feedback so it can help you grow your career, not from a place of punishment, blame, mm-hmm. shame. Very hard to come back from from fe- constructive feedback that's coming from a place like that. And it's really gonna gonna tear down your relationship with your employees. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I'm excited to learn. So a big thing for uh, the women that I work with is that we all have a bigger purpose, right? This is women changing leadership. And so the reason that we get promoted is to change the leadership table. We don't get promoted to just do everything the same way. And so giving back and coaching our managers is a huge part of that process, right? Being a mentor to other leaders at our organization. So my sense is through something like the GROW method, um, that that's one of the tools that you use. So I want to hear about some of these coaching tools that you use for your for your leaders as well. I've been through extensive coaching training and certification process, but what I remind managers is that you don't have to go through some big fancy certific coaching certification program to be able to coach on the spot. There's really simple methods for you to do that. The grow model is one of them and it really just follows the most basic coaching conversation that you can have with someone, which is, you know, wh- where are you now? Right? Where do you want to be? How might you get there? And what might get in your way? And if you follow that four kind of four question or four step pattern, you're coaching. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to have some big convoluted question, deep pondering, you know, question. And so the GROW model, you know, G stands for goal, which is what are you trying to achieve? Where are you trying to go here? It usually comes after, like using something like the GROW model usually comes after someone's been given some feedback or someone's been uh, some run into a challenge or they're just not happy. Like for instance, you might have an employee come to you and say, you know what? I've outgrown this role. I'm getting a little bored now. The grow model would be a fantastic tool to whip out in that moment. Say, okay, what are your goals? Where do you think you want to go? And then the R is the reality. Where are you now? Let's do a little environmental scan. Let's do a little check-in. Where are you now? What's going on? O is opportunities. So what, you know, uh, how are how are we going to build the bridge from where you are now to where you want to be? And W is what what might get in your way. The thing about coaching is that a lot of people get excited with possibilities. Oh, I could do this and I could do that, and and you know, especially people like like you and I, high performers, entrepreneurs, we have lots of ideas. If you don't close the loop with the last question, mm-hmm. what might what might get in your way? You can leave someone's office or, or leave a conversation all pumped up and ready to go. And then as soon as you get out there and try to implement what, you know, your action plan or take the next step and you run into an obstacle, well, now you feel like you're it's not worth it or you're right back to step one. So make sure you close the loop when in your coaching conversations with what obstacles do you think might get in your way when you get out there now and try to do this? And it's it's like having that contingency plan. It's like helping someone prepare so that they don't immediately get defeated. I just say I was started smiling when you were talking because I got really excited. I had this vision of of um, <laughs> I'm always thinking about my clients and and I would not necessarily recommend that they would go to their boss and be like, I've outgrown this role with literally nothing behind that. And that happens all the time. Like they expect. So this is what we have to remember. We expect our bosses to pull out the grow model and to have the answers for us, but they're not going to. Right. And so unless they, my program. unless they go through your program, right? And and so 
but but that expectation is what's what's hurting us, right? It, that we expect them to kind of have this answer. And I was like, oh my gosh, do this grow model. Everybody do this grow model for yourself after listening to this conversation. Uh, maybe we'll even find a link to the PDF of it or something as the reminder. I think that would be great. If not, we'll make it. <laughs> yeah. And um, and we'll put that in the show notes because ask yourself those questions. And then even the what might get in your way is so important. So imagine now having a conversation with your boss where you're like, hey, I've outgrown this role. This is where I think I would like to go. And these are the obstacles that might get in my way. Oh, my God, that is such a rich conversation. Now, ding, ding, ding. When you become a manager, I bet you top down, you're going to be doing that with your employees, right? That's going to become your new normal. So I just think that's brilliant. <laughs> I love I love how you just did a flip it and reverse it, right? Uh, <laughs> But, but no, I do encourage the managers in my program to to self-coach, essentially is what that yeah. is, right? Self-coaching, you can use the grow model on yourself, absolutely. And I think that's fantastic that you are reminding people that your manager won't necessarily have a plan for you. So you have to look out for yourself. You have to make sure that if you're going to go into that conversation with your manager, that you have an idea about where you want to go. Still, I encourage the managers who work with me to work with their employees who who don't maybe know where they want to go yet right. and, and use your coaching skills to help them get there. Because yeah, I think the reason that that's so important to me is because that's what people did for me in my career. I, you know, I wouldn't say every manager I ever had was exceptional. <laughs> Some of them didn't want to manage at all. But occasionally I did get the opportunity to work with a manager who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I want to create more managers like that. So that's one of the reasons why yeah. I make sure that I have that in my program to make sure that I'm sending managers back to the workforce who can help an employee mm -hmm. see a little more in themselves, you know? Yeah, totally. It's so good. So do you have any success stories that you'd be willing to share? Any surprises where managers were like, whoa, that was really fun. Um, I did this thing. like, And I could just see the confidence and growing as a result. Absolutely. I have a ton of success stories. And I don't necessarily uh, always get to hear the details of how something, you know, went down when, when a manager gets back to work. But I think, you know, the transformation that I see is first time managers who maybe have run into a few obstacles, maybe they tried to have a feedback conversation and it didn't quite go so well. And their confidence is feeling a little, um, you know, a little down. And they come to the program, they learn the, learn the skills, and now they go back and try. They have a willingness to try it again because now they know they have mm -hmm. the foundation that they need to do these things well. And I've received messages from participants who, who told me like, after maybe about six months after attending my program, they're now getting messages from other managers who see them and see how they're managing and telling them that they have the dream team now. Mm -hmm. You're the, your team is the dream team and I want to manage like you. And I had another manager, a young manager from a tech company who in her performance review is this tech company who does performance reviews like going every every way. So like team members on your team can give feedback to the manager. Other managers across can give, give feedback to each other, which is just fantastic. And so this one particular manager in her performance review, she had received feedback from an employee saying, you're the best manager I ever had. And is that coming from one thing that they did? 
it's more about I think the level of awareness that get and the level of caring and empathy that gets built up over time when you have the skills and tools you need to communicate with your team and look out for your team and coach have those coaching conversations. So I think it's a combination of everything that they're learning that just makes them the type of manager that cares more about their team and knows how to communicate that. Why do you personally feel motivated to have a seat at the table? Why do you do this work? You can imagine that this is this work is deeply personal for me. And, you know, when I, in my career, because of course I had an entire career before I left to start my own business. Before in my career, when I was working for someone else, I was always looking for a place to work that had the kind of workplace culture I was looking for, supportive workplace culture where they understood employee engagement, they understood what it meant, you know, um, to support their people. And unfortunately, I never found it. I did work with some great managers, but a lot of the managers I worked with clearly were not equipped for their role. They were either severe micromanagers, which we know what that is, but some of them were actually pretty severe macro managers, meaning they didn't manage enough. And I was I was younger, so much younger and inexperienced, and I was just craving, you know, that leadership, but I didn't really find it. I often found it adjacent. I found it with managers maybe that I didn't report to, who I didn't report to. Um, but you know, I was working on a project or something like that with them. So I saw the chronic dis- disengagement in every organization where I worked. I saw a lot of disengagement with managers themselves because they were not equipped for the roles that they were in. They were promoted typically for technical reasons and were never given the skills and tools that they needed. So they were suffering under a lot of stress and oftentimes would just throw in the towel. And then I ended up in my first management role. And I said to myself, oh, I am not going to make any of the mistakes <laughs> yeah. uh, that my manager made and I won't be a micromanager. And I completely started to lead from this place of just trying not to do what some of the not so great managers I had were doing. But I wasn't leading from a place of people first. I wasn't leading from a place of what do my employees need from me right now? I was completely focused on myself. That's not a good place to lead from. So I did all my own, you know, went and did, got all my own training, oftentimes had to pay for it myself, became a coach and learned how to lead the way I wanted to lead, regardless of what was going on in the organization. That's when I realized, okay, I need to go out and help other organizations mm-hmm. figure out how to do this well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, we're we're so glad that you're helping. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to so, be here. How can people find you and connect with you? shiftpd.com, S-H-I-F-T-P-D.com. That would be the best place, especially if you want to go to my resources page and download any of my free tools. And I have a full guide. I have a first 90 days guide if you're a brand new manager. I have a leadership journey guide, which will tell you what skills you need at every level of leadership, as well as some links to my own podcast uh, episodes. And LinkedIn, my best stuff, like most practical stuff, useful stuff goes on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I spend most of my time. So that would be a good place to connect as well. As we head out here, any final words of advice for managers who want to engage more with their employees and also get recognition along the way? (laughs) What kinds of words of advice would you have for them? Yeah, I would say that, especially if 
people, you know, who are following you and listening to you and your past clients are very concerned with moving along on their leadership journey, maybe getting that next promotion. I would say make sure you're keeping your finger on the pulse of what employees want, all like want from their manager, I mean, and want from their leaders. Always go back to the source. And the source is your employees. Go back to them. Don't lead according to the trends. Don't lead according to the clickbait. Go back to your employees and say, what do you need right now from your leader? Mm-hmm. And it, today's employee wants a manager who cares for them, who's going to coach them, and who's going to invest in them. And they, millennials, we know like 40% of millennials will leave a job or leave a company that isn't investing in them. Right. So, and then let your executives know, or you know, whoever you report to, let them know that you're keeping your finger on the pulse. Yes, exactly. Need because that is what is going to help any organization attract and retain top talent, which is a key factor for a lot of organizations. Yes, yes. So good, Karina. Thank you so much. Everybody, connect with her. Follow her on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I, I just can't wait to see where this takes the leaders who are listening today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Before you go, I have a question for you. Do you know how close you are to your next promotion? Really? Not what your boss has told you, not what you even believe to be true, But have you actually taken the time to sit down, take an assessment, review the five categories that it takes to get promoted into senior executive leadership positions and decided where you fall in each category and given yourself a ranking on a scale of one to 10 of how close you are to getting your next promotion? Have you done this? Well, now's your chance. If that feels interesting to you and you're like, hey, I want to know exactly how close I might actually be or how far away you might be and what it's going to take to get you even closer, then I invite you to take my promotability quiz. This is a quiz that I put together with practical tips that actually tell you where you're lacking and where you're winning. What are the areas that you actually need to improve and not necessarily what your boss is telling you all the time so that you can take concrete steps towards landing that next promotion and changing the face of the leadership table. Go to yourpromotabilityscore.com to take your free assessment today. Yourpromotabilityscore.com. And let me know how it goes.